The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Hi everyone, my name is Mark Donegan and I am super excited to be opening this first episode of the Video Insiders. But before I say anything more, I want to introduce you to my esteemed co-host, Dror Gill. Welcome, Dror. Thank you, Mark. Uh, you know, if you could do some uh, emotion estimation on me, you would also find out that I'm pretty excited to be opening this podcast. And I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, Mark, maybe we should uh, tell everyone what they're getting themselves uh, into. So we are the Video Insiders, and in every episode, we will bring the latest inside information about what's happening in the video technology industry from codecs, both past, present, and maybe even some not invented yet. You know, I don't know. Maybe we'll invent one. What do you think, Jor? Yeah, yeah, maybe. And uh, obviously, we'll cover video encoding, transcoding. And, um, you know, I'm uh, a little bit more of a business guy. You're a serious technologist. Our listeners will get to know you. But um, at the end of the day, business, you know, drives this. So uh, we'll, we'll cover business. And uh, I can't think of uh, too much that's really off limits, right? No, no. We're going to talk about everything, everything related to video. Uh, but first, Mark, I, I have tell the the listeners a small secret about you oh no uh, those who know you best uh, probably have been privileged uh, to hear you pound uh, the keyboard pound the keyboard hmm. well you know when i you know my new macbook you know it is pretty noisy you know man what's no, what's no, up no. with that I'm keyboard talking, wow i'm not talking about that kind of oh. keyboard i mean uh, <laughs> I just happened to know that you studied uh, some uh, classical piano performance and, and jazz in college, right? Ooh, this is true. This is true. That's uh, Not too many people know that about me. That's true. That is true. But it was a long time ago. <laughs> but while we're on the subject of music, um, you know, discussing beta release schedules kind of has a dual meaning for you, doesn't it, Dror? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> so, yeah, B Beta is the name of my rock band. I'm, I'm a lead singer of a rock band called Beta. That's super cool. Yeah, we, we do some gigs. We've recorded a few tracks. Uh, so uh, when you discuss a beta schedule with me, that could be just our uh, tour schedule and not the milestones. <laughs> well, there you have it. You know, look, uh, if we do our jobs, this podcast, uh, I think just may rock our listeners video world, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And and if not, at least it will be the, the surely be the number one destination for their latest news and analysis about uh, video compression, protection, monetization, applications. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about all those buzzy words, the buzzwords such as HDR, UHD, HEVC, AV1. That's pretty buzzy. That's pretty buzzy. Well, hey, HEVC and AV1, I, I'm glad you brought um, those codecs up because some may say the topic has really been run into the ground. Uh, so what do you think, Dror? No, I, I think it's still, it's still a great topic, you know, because it has all the elements of a good story. It, it's like a true hero's journey. You know, you, you might say it has, uh, it has Hollywood glamour, has some tragedy, it has its ups and downs, and finally does have a ha uh, happy ending. Well, happy endings are good. So to kick this off, uh, for our listeners who don't have a, a deep technical background, uh, what is HEVC? So HEVC uh, is the latest video standard. It was developed by the MPEG committee. MPEG is short for Motion Pictures Experts Group. Notice the 
motion pictures. Yes, they, they don't call it video. We're still like in the uh, old days of uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> when cinema just started. It's not a video. It's just a bunch of moving pictures. Yeah. One that's after funny, the other in, in, in a series. So that creates an illusion of movement. So it's moving so pictures. Yes. <laughs> um, developed a lot of video standards, all of the MPEG standards. There was MPEG 1, MPEG 2, MPEG 4, and then MPEG 4 AVC, which some people know by the name H264. And finally, uh, MPEG HHEVC, which some people call H265. But, but don't do that, Mark. <laughs> don't call it H265 because Leonardo might ban you. Now, now, wait a second. How will Leonardo DiCaprio ban me? Oh, oh no, not, not Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark. You're, you're taking the Hollywood reference a bit, uh, a bit too far. I'm talking about Leonardo Charlione. He's been the founder and chairman of the MPEG committee for the past uh, 30 years. Ah, that yeah, Leonardo. Yeah, that guy. Okay, okay, you know, okay. Yes, many people yes. call him the father of MPEG because, you know, he founded the committee and he's been leading it. So I heard a rumor that if you use the term H265 instead of HEVC, then uh, he might ban you from the MPEG male reflectors forever. So, you know, be careful. Well, I mean, pretty successful stuff that um, the MPEG committee has developed. MPEG-2, uh, you know, it's used in all digital cables, satellite, terrestrial broadcast, um, DVD, MPEG-4, you know, shoot, that's Blu-ray discs, um, everything on the internet you know, is streamed with MPEG-4. Yeah, uh, it's streamed with MPEG-4, AVC, AVC. Yeah, AVC, yeah. that's right, that's right. Good, good, thanks for correcting me there. <laughs> so I heard that MPEG even won an Emmy Award, I, I think two times, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, can you imagine, you know, the Leonardo that I'm thinking of and all the engineering geeks from MPEG standing there on the same stage as uh, the other Leonardo from the MPEG committee? <laughs> That's really amazing. <laughs> That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And you know, what's even more amazing, every generation of the standard, they, they essentially double the compression efficiency. So, for example, with HEVC, you can get the same quality as H264, but at half the bitrate. Now, I'm not saying you can do this all the time and not for every content, and it's not true for every resolution. You know, I, I have to be very careful here because, you know, some people in the industry spread information that is not 100% accurate. So, Oh, that never happens. Uh, sometimes never. it happens, and, and sometimes it is possible that we will discuss such occasions on our podcast. Um, but I, want, I like to be on the safe side. So let's say uh, between 40 and 50%. Uh, uh, depending on the resolution, that's the uh, improvement in compression efficiency you would get with HEVC. Sure, which is really great and pretty amazing. So why isn't everyone using HEVC instead of H.264? I mean, with you know, video occupying, uh, I mean, the studies keep, uh, this number goes up, seems like by the month, but 70% of the internet is, um, is video traffic. Netflix is like 15% of bandwidth, you know, consumed at peak viewing time. I mean, that's just that's staggering. If you think about it, I would think everyone, you know, would just want to switch to HEVC and either enjoy the savings or be able to double their capacity. I mean, what, what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. That, that would have been, uh, um, you know, really what you would expect with HEVC being, uh, you know, such more, much more efficient than H.264. But uh, this is really where the tragedy part of our story comes in. 
there's a lot of uh, sophisticated algorithms which actually enable this great compression efficiency. And uh, many companies who jointly created the HVC standard, they obviously have patents on all of these technology that uh, they developed. So with H264, the situation was simple. Uh, there were companies, they developed algorithms, they had patents, but there was a single patent pool that was organized by a company called MPEG-LA, and you could just license all of the patents, you know, very easily in this one-stop shop. But with HEVC, the problem was that the patent holders joined three different pools, and some of them didn't join any pool. So uh, you add to this uh, some unreasonable licensing terms, which were published by one of the patent pools initially, and, and there, you, there you have it. The industry was in complete chaos regarding HEVC licensing. Wow. Wow. Sounds pretty bad. So this is where uh, Leonardo Charlione you know, he wrote a, a pretty famous blog post called, uh, what was it? The Crisis, the Causes and Its Solutions, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yes, yes. It, it, it was a very sad. Uh, and, uh, you know, he said that from uh, from his point of view, uh, the MPEG uh, uh, way has, has reached uh, an end. They developed this great technology and then nobody uses them because of licensing issues. So uh, that was uh, the peak of the tragedy. But luckily for us, and I think for the whole industry, finally, the patent holders came to their senses. And, and now everything is, is much more clear. I mean, the two major patent pools, which are MPEG-LA and HEVC Advance, both of them are not charging any royalties for content. That's and amazing. The third, yeah, yeah. And that's really good news for all the broadcasters Great and uh, yeah. content providers around around uh, uh, the industry. And the third one, Velos Media, th they haven't officially announced their licensing terms, but everybody's expecting them also to be reasonable. And I've heard some things, uh, you know, off the record that they're also not going to charge for content. I mean, they don't want to cut the branch they're sitting on. You know, if, if they're unreasonable, then nobody will license it and they, they get no money. So I think basically where we are today, you, you can say that HEVC patent royalties are mostly paid by the vendor of devices, such as mobile phones and TV, all those companies who put chips that support uh, HVC decoding in the devices. Um, and I understand, uh, Mark, that many of them are already supporting uh, HVC, right? A lot of devices out there. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, er earlier this year, Beamer actually sponsored an industry survey, uh, which Tim Siglin from a uh, contributor to Streaming Media helped us with and, and also Streaming Media um, uh, promoted it and and helped put it together. And the findings were were really positive. This was, you know, completely a, uh, you know, I guess as we say, uh, you know, we don't talk about politics here, but this was a nonpartisan, uh, you know, this was a fair and balanced survey. And 66% um, of those that responded, of which was a very high percentage of engineers, by the way, more than 400. Uh, so these are industry professionals reported that HEVC was already in production. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the reality is, is that, it, you know, though in some circles, there's still maybe a little bit of FUD, you know, that is fear, uncertainty and doubt that's persisting. Um, the fact is, is that more than half the industry is, you know, has HEVC encoding pipelines running and uh, or, or they plan, uh, you know, they're in the implementation stages. You know, these things don't happen overnight. So in some cases, maybe, um, you know, they're not encoding HEVC content yet, but they will be. It's, it's a foregone conclusion. And um, 77%, so more than three out of four, said that um, HEVC was a very viable replacement for H.264. 
four. Uh, that's obviously good news, but if we're making files that can't be played, then, you know, I suppose you could file this under the fake news category. Yeah, yeah. If you encode the files, somebody has to play them. Yeah, exactly. And 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 we're going to get to that when we talk about uh, you know AV one. But um, you know when we look at at the situation for device uh, support, it, you know it's a little bit hard to get the exact numbers. But industry seems to be kind of you know gathering around two billion devices is kind of where most people you know nod their head and say yes, we believe that number. That's two billion today that support HEVC in hardware. So. You know, if we think about, um, first of all, it's a massive number, right? But um, you think about iPhones, uh, everything from the 6S forward supports HEVC. In some markets, uh, iPhone penetration is way over 50%. And then when you factor in Samsung, like the S8, the S9, the Note 8, the Note 9, Galaxy Tab S3, I mean, phones from LG, phones from Sony, you look at Macs, you look at PCs, you know, especially if they have the Intel Skylake or the Cabby Lake chips, every 4K TV sold today. I mean, I can go on and on, you know, Roku boxes, the new Apple TV, um, that is the Apple TV 4K, uh, a, a Chromecast even, <laughs> Amazon Fire TV. I mean, let's see, uh, stop me. <laughs> so all of those uh, support HEBC. And, um, you know, we heard from a, a very well-placed industry insider that one MSO, um, you know, recently discovered they, um, you know, did research of their users, which number um, tens of millions, and uh, that more than 50% of their customers had at least one device in the home that supported HEVC, which is very, yeah, very, very, very encouraging. Yeah, yeah, it's very encouraging. I mean, it means that HEVC support is out there. I mean, two billion devices, that, that's a really large number. Uh, so, so if you look at it, the situation with HEVC, I would say, is, is, is pretty clear. I mean, it's half the bitrate of H.264 AVC. Uh, royalty issues have mostly been solved. You know, a few billion devices support it in hardware. So <laughs> there it is, Mark. I think that's the uh, happy ending I was looking for. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So that's HEVC. So where are we with um, AV1? Ah, uh, that's a good question. You know, it's unclear at the moment. Uh, I, I think is really a fair assessment. And, you know, look, we are definitely fair and balanced here um, on the Video Insider. So we, you know, we don't present things from an agenda. So I think AV1 is, uh, you know, first of all, AV1's open source, right? It is a supposedly royalty-free codec. It's been developed by an extremely strong group of companies. They're companies that if anybody can pull this off, it's Google, it's Netflix, it's Facebook, it's Intel, it's Microsoft, it's Apple. And there's and there's others. These people are our friends, and uh, and 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 they're good. They can build Kodak. You know, they they could do this. You know, they set out to develop the AV1 Kodak really in response to the royalty issue. You know, you might get different responses. I haven't really gone around and asked um, privately uh, any of these individual companies, but I'm guessing that you know, kind of off the record, most would say, yeah, if um, HEBC Advance had been rational, Alliance for Open Media wouldn't have been needed, and AV1 wouldn't exist, and things would be more clear. Right. And and I understand they want to develop a royalty-free uh, codec, but I think I heard you say supposedly royalty-free because because I thought AV1 was royalty-free. I mean, look what it says here. Uh, 
on, on the AOM website, I'm reading for the website, it says, collaborative effort to offer open, royalty-free, and interoperable solutions for the next generation of media delivery. So it says royalty-free, doesn't it? I mean, can it be more clear than that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's You can challenge me on that, but it's not that simple. Here's the deal. The members of the Alliance for Open Media all agreed to contribute their own IP to the uh, AV1 standard and not charge royalties for it. But it's possible. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm saying possible and, you know, I'm not a lawyer. We're not here giving any, uh, <laughs> you know, any legal advice. Um, so I want to be careful here. But uh, it is possible that other parties who are not members of the Alliance for Open Media could have IP claims or, or at least could attempt um, to assert IP claims and to charge royalties on the code. Now, Alliance for Open Media, AOM, you know, has set up a, a fund to indemnify licensees or, you know, so I've heard. But at the end of the day, there's just a lot of questions that don't have answers. And, uh, you know, it's it's one thing when it's, um, you know, engineers uh, sitting around an industry conference or on a panel and sort of having a debate and discussion. It's a whole different thing when, when, a, when a Fortune 50 or a Fortune 25 media company, you know, who could be face, facing hundreds of millions, if not, you know, maybe even billions of dollars of, of fines or levies or, you know, whatever, you just can't sort of sweep this stuff under the rug. And uh, I, I think, unfortunately, that's kind of what is happening a little bit, in, in my opinion. At the end of the day, I think we need to encourage our listeners to do their own due diligence, you know, because in some industry conferences, you can be led to believe the situation is is, is very secure, but but really, nobody's indemnifying you here. So uh, you really need uh, uh, to be careful. Anyway, on the device side, Mark, how many devices uh, support AV1 in hardware? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. And, uh, you know, this is one thing, again, I, I, you know, my background is in consumer electronics. I have, you know, a lot of experience there and um, you know it it just uh, we get we get in this situation where it's easy to sit around and talk about creating files in these new exciting codecs but you know people kind of forget that you know VLC is not a viable solution to play him back so I've been doing some research though um, and um, you know I actually was able to connect with uh, you know uh, via email and in some cases have some um, voice conversation with uh, the SOC vendors that is the system on the chip vendors who who are the ones at the end of the day that have to be convinced to integrate AV1 decode into their silicon. This is, you know, whether it's a, a connected television, uh, which yeah, actually, you know, that's such an antique term, connected television. Every television is yeah, connected Every television today. is smart. Um, every, but, every device exactly, is smart, every, smarter than us. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it, it's these SOC vendors that at the end of the day, I knew that, you know, that's where I'm going to get the real information. You know, I heard uh, what I anticipated to hear um, that obviously support today is is zero. I heard varying degrees of uh, responses such as we're thinking about it, it's getting onto the roadmap to a slightly more optimistic where some people said in 24 months, we'll have it, you know, maybe sooner, but you know, you should anticipate two years. And then on the, on the other side, got the usual, Hey, look, you know, um, when there's a, when there's a business case, that is when I can't sell a chip because it doesn't have AV1 
that's when we'll support it. You know, the situation is really this. I, I am very confident, again, because of the companies behind AV1, that somewhere in 2020, and it's just impossible for a device, it's just not even possible to complete the engineering cycles, the fab cycles for the silicon, uh, any sooner than really the end of 2020. So, we're really talking 24 months. You know, we're we're recording this podcast on the last day of October, uh, October 31st, um, 2018. So, you know, I anticipate that Christmas season 2020, there will be a device. Uh, will it be a Roku box? Will it be a TV? Will it be a game console? You know, I, I or even just some new product altogether. I don't know. Maybe an Android phone. Maybe an Android phone. Exactly. There will be an AV1 device, and there's no doubt that, you know, certain uh, folks, uh, you know, that are incented for AV1 to succeed will write articles saying that, you know, that, that the world is about to flip. At the end of the day, one device, a device, um, it does not build an ecosystem. Uh, it takes 2 billion devices that are in real consumers' hands right. that, you know, that, that, that somebody doesn't even have to download an, an app or install something. They just, they just turn it on and it just works. And, um, and that we are, um, oh, we're years and years and years away. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I agree with you. It will take time until the chips will come out and then tested and devices will come out, etc. So, uh, I'm, I'm very bullish about HEVC. I think uh, the message for the industry now is, is very clear. HEVC is happening today and, and it's here to stay. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to rhyme. <laughs> You're rhyming. Do you, Hey, you sing, do you rap? Yeah, I rap. I sing everything. Uh, so if somebody is listening to our podcast now, uh, stay tuned in the next episodes, we might have some uh, surprises. Ah, uh. uh, well, let's bring this to a close. It's been an awesome discussion. Um, how do you compare uh, HEVC and AV1? Well, comparing codecs, that's, uh, that's a pretty big question and you never get the same answer. Uh, it really depends on who you ask. So yeah. it's, it's a really interesting topic, but it uh, seems like our time is up. So how about uh, we discuss that in our next episode? That is an awesome lead in. So, hey, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Video Insiders podcast. This is a production of Beamer Limited. Please subscribe on iTunes and we will be expanding to other platforms shortly. If you'd like to try out Beamer Codex in your lab or production environment, we're actually giving away up to 100 hours of HEVC and H.264 encoding every month. And you heard that correct. Um, this is really really a free offer. We want to give you access to our technology and you just go to beamer.com forward slash free. That's F-R-E-E to get started immediately. So thank you everyone. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Video Insiders.